This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, yesterday morning, you heard me speak with Jeffrey Zorofsky, who went from one restaurant to 17, and he landed a big deal on a Bravo reality TV show. All right, the Top, you are going to, I think, find my guest today extremely interesting. He's a startup entrepreneur. He's a lot like, actually, Nick Newper, who we had on, who has sold 350 electric bras from his dorm room and then raised money at a $10 million valuation back in episode number four. But today's guest is Stephen Kahn. He is the founder of a company called Strapping. He's an angel pad and 500 startups alumni and a web developer and Pomona graduate. He cares most deeply about people, products, and technology in that order. Stephen, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. All right, man. Let's have some fun. So, First things first, I met you through a mutual friend, Drew Stagmeyer, I believe, right? Correct. And the company's, your company is based, where are you based? And uh, just help us understand what you're focused on right now. Totally. We are out here in San Francisco, um, the heart of a lot of stuff that's happening. Um, and our current product is a seasonal styling service um, that we offer mostly to gay men. Um, and so we curate clothing and accessories to our customers' style preferences and ship to them four times per year. Um, it's a lot like Trunk Club, if you're familiar with them, or Stitch Fix for for women. Okay, okay, got it, got it. Let me back up a second, though. How, When did you found the company and why did you find it? Absolutely. Um, I started working on this project kind of at the beginning of last year. I was out in downtown Vegas uh, through Vegas Tech Fund um, at an incubator called The Mill, um, when I was playing with landing pages, um, doing some demand testing and concept, uh, something that I threw online and um, ended up getting about 60 people to pay me um, 30 bucks uh, for a styling fee um, in exchange for the service before I even had any clothes or any idea how to build it. Wait, wait, um, walk us through how you did that. Let's say I'm one of those 60 you sold. Sell me real quick. Get me to pay 30 bucks. Um, absolutely. So the first thing I did was put a sexy guy on the landing page, uh. actually. I don't know if that's, um, you know, uh, going to be enough of an answer for you. But I think that that was a lot of um, what sold um, our initial customers with this was this idea that we're speaking directly to their interests and values and desires um, in a way that a lot of marketing fails to. And so my kind of initial hypothesis was that maybe we'd be able to skim the cream off of some of these um, like really big verticals, like say apparel and e-commerce, where maybe a lot of the male customers uh, who are doing a lot of the spending and repeat spending are gay, we'd be able to skim them away by actually addressing them directly um, as a contrast to a lot of the startups that are out there um, that maybe ha- go to market with messaging that I think is a little bit um, straighter, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So would you say the majority of your marketing is you know, using, I mean, using sex basically? Um, well, I think sex is an oversimplification, but um, totally, it's about, I mean, if you think about clothes and why people want to buy new clothes, it's about feeling attractive. And so we're definitely playing on that psychologically. Um, and if you go back and look at, I don't think the initial landing page that I built was live, 
um, there's not a whole lot there other than me saying, hey, this is sexy. Hey, we're building something for gay men. Um, are you excited about it? Sign up and pay me. And that's um, well, and I've done a lot of demand testing for like as a consultant for startups in the past. And I was really shocked by kind of like the conversion rates. I was using Reddit ads uh, to drive traffic to that page initially. You know, Reddit fixes their CPMs at like a dollar. So I was paying like $3 to get a conversion. So hold on, let me, I, let me break that down. So Reddit Reddit charges a dollar CPM, which those of you new to at online ad sales, a dollar is basic, CPM is basically a dollar for a thousand impressions. And you would exactly. basically need 3,000 impressions, Stephen, to get one new email opt-in? No, not an email, to get a $30 conversion. Oh, wow. So Holy so, crap. Yeah, exactly. So I was like 10Xing my money in that tiny channel um, just from the styling fee and people hadn't even bought any clothes at that point. And so that was a signal to me that like, hey, we're really, I don't understand fully yet what we're tapping into, but this is something that's uh, kind of interesting. I got to keep kicking this down so the, do, the road. So do you consider your your style, like, like well, I'm trying to understand if you're if you attack this because you had style problems and you wanted them fixed or you sensed an opportunity and the numbers worked and you said, I'm going to go all in on this. Which one was it? Um, it, it, it's really the latter. And the idea that's exciting to me is not even specifically um, about clothing. It's about speaking to this community um, in a way that uh, they uh, really respond to. And then it's about this kind of broader idea of like conversational commerce and this idea that like, okay, if we start really verticalized and really narrow with um, this community that we really understand, can learn and understand the um, desires of, then maybe we can take our learnings from that and broaden that out to other people also and, um, you know, and shake up the way that e-commerce has always worked a little bit. Okay. And you talk about like getting close and understanding your customers. So, I mean, I, I mean, are, are you gay? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's like a critical, I think, thing for like the top tribe to understand is getting like, you know, Steven didn't just look at the numbers and say, I'm going to figure out this customer base and go after it. He's also really close to the customer. He's living that experience. He knows the troubles that gay men, I assume Steven, are going through when they're buying clothes or trying to find good style. Is that accurate? Yeah, totally. And that's the whole, that's the whole entire product that we have right now. I mean, the unit economics have been really strong and it's continuing to work really well over, over the past year. But the whole reason that I started with this product is because it creates an ongoing conversation with every single one of our customers. So every time someone receives a package, we follow up with them with an email. It solicits feedback, you know? So we're trying to be talking to our customers every day. And um, me and my co-founder, our full-time employee, all of us are in there in the weeds learning about what worked for people and what didn't so that we can make it better and ultimately. And so take us, let's go to 10,000 feet for a second. How many years old is the company again? Uh, so it's about 18 months. 18 months. Okay, and over 18 months, how many $39 styling fees have you guys brought in or, or new customers have you brought in? Um, occasionally, we'll discount the styling fee to say $19, but the answer is 1,300 signups, 1,350, 1,400 signups, basically. Okay, $1,400. somewhere, either they're paying 19 or 39 bucks, depending on if they get the deal or not. Exactly. Okay, and then what? So I pay you 40 bucks for the styling fee. Now you have 1,401 customers. Then what do I, what happens? What do I do? So you'll fill in a style profile, which will ask you for sizing data and also some style preference questions that will hopefully allow our stylists um, to um, curate clothing to you appropriately. Um, we'll ship that out to you. And then um, just like with Stitch Fix or Trunk Club, you're under no obligation to purchase anything that we send. Um, the $40 that you fronted us is kind of like a deposit. It's, it's use it or lose it. If you don't spend it, you don't get it back, but you can apply that money toward the cost of anything 
in the box. So if you spent 50 bucks and you had paid us 39, your balance would be 11 bucks. Does and that make sense? It does. So how are people getting these measurements? Like I imagine if I signed up for this and I, am I in my, am, am I in my kitchen at home with a tape measure trying to figure out like the size of my chest and legs and all that? Which, by the um, way, they're getting bigger because I'm working out a lot. Top Tribe, if you're curious, just want to throw it out there. Awesome. We should. I would love to chat with you about your workouts, <laughs> too. Um, that's something that I'm really into. Uh, yes, we're going to ask you for some basic measurements and then optionally some measurements that maybe fewer people would know. Um, and typically, honestly, um, there's a trial and error kind of process. And that's one of the interesting things about what Stitch Fix is doing and what we're doing from a data perspective is um, it's going to be really difficult. Fit is by far the most reason for uh, returns in apparel e-commerce, <laughs> even under the traditional model. And you'd mm -hmm. be surprised how much stuff come back, comes back under traditional e-commerce uh, model. So people return a lot of clothes online under the old model. And one of the cool things about what we're doing is if we send you a shirt and we know you give us feedback that it fits you perfectly or you give us feedback that there's just one problem with the sleeves or something like that, we're really finding kind of like the key that unlocks your fit from a lot of perspectives. And as we scale, the hope is at least that we'll be able to leverage that kind of data to be really insightful about what we send you. Right now, you know, everything, we're a small team, everything is a little bit more manual than that. But um, really what I'm saying is you don't have to go too deep into your measurements when you first start out. We'll, we'll learn on an ongoing basis. And so I sign up and then I'm getting, is it I'm getting one box per quarter? Is that the frequency? Exactly, which we, t we talk about seasonality, which is another hypothesis of mine going into this when we look at companies like Birchbox and stuff like that. Um, I think that there's a fatigue that you see with a monthly service. And uh, obviously, from a founder perspective, subscription is attractive because it's recurring, re it's recurring revenue, right? It's regular. What, it's what is the subscription, Stephen? What do I pay you per month? Um, so you so you don't pay per month. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. So you'll just pay the thirty nine dollars when we ship you a box, which is once per quarter. So it's four times per year. And then there's no subscription fee. Other than that, you just pay us for what you buy. Oh, I see. Okay, so thirty nine bucks per box, no matter what. So at a yep. minimum, you're making one hundred sixty bucks per year off of me, right? Exactly. Now, if you send me a box in January and it's got three hundred dollars worth of clothes in it, and I keep a hundred, that original forty dollar fee I applied will apply to forty of that, and then I have to pay you an additional sixty. Exactly. And, and so we, we see users spending on average about $140 per season, um, including the styling fee. So they spend about $100 a season beyond um, that initial Got 40. It. So, uh, so said differently, of each box that you send and you send four per quarter, your consumers will keep about $100 worth of or $140 worth of merchandise. Exactly. So they're spending about $520 a year with us. Got it. Got it. And about how many people are you servicing a year? How many customers? So, we're, so we have that 1,400 signups number. Some of those people are inactive because they haven't given us enough information to ship. So we're, we're at about 1,000 active. So about a 500k a year run rate. Got it. Got it. And, and the, well, first off, congratulations. That's exciting. And are, are you looking to sell strapping? Or is it being acquired like Trunk Club was or no? Um, I, I think that's not really our goal right now. Um, I do think that we're a little bit unusual in um, the classic kind of venture-backed startup world and that this is going to be a slower business to grow. And I'm not sure that it ever looks like a billion-dollar business. That probably depends on which direction we kind of decide to take it in. Um, but right now, we really want to just continue nailing this vertical. And um, I, I, the demand is there, so we just have to make sure we're careful to manage the supply side and then um, see kind of how far we can take that demand. So you think you will never be a billion dollar business? Well, I, I think that that remains to be seen. And I'm not convinced. I think that one mistake, if you look at a company, actually, 
if you look at Trunk Club, if you look at Fab, for example, um, if you look at Nasty Gal. Big, big failure, at, by the way, Fab. Big, big failure. Exactly. And so I think the temptation is in e-commerce, um, especially if you see really, really insane demand early on, the temptation is to pump a lot of dollars um, behind that of uh, uh, funding and to kind of fuel that growth. And I think if you see, like if you look at a fab or a nasty gal, you have to be very, very careful that you don't abandon kind of like your core values and the core reason why you started running the business in order to fuel growth that ultimately is just kind of like manipulation of the numbers to satisfy investors. Yep, so yep. yes, so that that's like kind of what we're trying to avoid. And that's why I say, you know, I'm not sure exactly what this will become in terms of size. When I talk about conversational commerce, I think that's definitely a billion dollar idea. I love is that. that. Where, I love that word, conversational and, commerce. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, exactly. And is that where we'll find ourselves in one year, two years, three years? It's definitely possible. But is it also possible that we'll turn this into a Badass cash flow positive hundred million dollar business, like absolutely, and that could be really fun to run for a long time. You know, of the five hundred twenty bucks you make top line per year, I imagine your cost of goods sold are through the roof because you have to pay for clothing. So, what are your margins for for on each customer for every five hundred bucks spent per per year? So our margin runs at about twenty percent, and um, it's interesting because, the, like you said, um, when I so when I started this eighteen months ago. Um, I, I uh, got these signups, and then I was like, "Oh, damn! Where am I going to get all these clothes from? Right? And how am I? Where am I going to get the money for it?" And we've been really lucky um, in that. Um, the, I think that entrepreneurs in the startup space share something with entrepreneurs in the apparel space. There are a lot of small clothing manufacturers who make a badass product, but don't understand that distribution is really the largest challenge in launching most early stage products. Totally, so it doesn't matter how nice it looks. You got to figure out how to get the eyeballs. Exactly. So they'll be sitting on a thousand pairs of sweet denim or something like that and have no idea how to get people um, looking at it or, or buying it. And that's where we come in. And so I think actually in the life cycle of our company right now, we really have more leverage over these um, vendors on the supply side than we do over our customers who have a thousand different options of who to buy from and really cool services that everyone's going after their dollars. On the supply side, we've been lucky that we've been able to work on consignment with a lot of smaller vendors who produce really high quality products. This is perfect for us because it means we get clothes in without having to front any cash for them. Yep. And we're not sitting on inventory that we're stuck with. If we can't sell it, we send it back to the vendor. That's smart. So, You're a distribution channel, right? Exactly. And the risk really still remains with these smaller guys. A lot of the risk remains with these smaller guys who've already fronted all the cash to make this product. That inventory and is on their balance sheet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So just to reiterate again, you've got a thousand act. You've you've had fourteen hundred people come through the doors and pay forty mm -hmm. bucks. You have a thousand currently that are active, meaning they're paying exactly. you forty bucks per quarter or about five hundred bucks per year. And as they pay you five hundred bucks per year, you have to pay your suppliers about four hundred bucks per year. So you are netting about a hundred bucks per paying customer. You have a thousand of them, so you're netting about you know before salaries and all that, just cost of goods sold, gross margin. You're making about a hundred thousand bucks. Is that accurate? Um, oh, yeah. Our COGS margin is at about 50%. And so that number that the 20% number that I give you subtracts out like every it's a unit economics number that subtracts out all of our other costs. Oh, so that's net margin. So then. Yeah. So except for our overhead, like salary or rent, um, I'm going to subtract out of that, like all of the shipping costs, payment processing, Got all it. of that stuff. Exactly. So yeah. cash flow positive yet or no? Um, we're getting there. We're almost there. So yeah. you've raised a bunch of money. Yeah, so we raised um, the money from Vegas Tech Fund, and then we raised money from 500 startups, and we're still actually um, raising money as part of our seed round. Um, but I'm trying to be careful and cautious 
Um, I think this can and should be a cash flow positive business uh, as a pretty young business. And so I want to prove that out. Um, and I, that's one of the values of being an entrepreneur and running a business is like bad ideas die, whereas maybe in the government or a lot of other areas of the world, that's not they get the subsidized, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Or, 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 or teachers have tenure stuff. that should be fired. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so um, I think we can push this uh, cash flow positive. Um, you How know, much have you raised again? On the seed round. Um, we're about 300K in right now. Got it. Got it. Well, hey, congratulations. And again, I think you hit the nail on the head. Your distribution channel, you're using visuals to bring people in. And I have to tell you, Cougars love Nathan Latka. I don't know why, but they love me. And they're all <laughs> wondering right now. They're going, where does Steven find these good looking guys to put on his website? <laughs> That's, yeah, that, that's exactly right. That, that's going to be the question in the comments at the show notes, which, by the way, you guys can find the show notes for this episode at NathanLatka.com forward slash the top eight six. Again, forward slash the top eight six. We'll put the numbers there. We'll link to get strapping or shopstrapping.com. We'll link to Steven's profile as well. Okay, Top Tribe, companies are wanting to sponsor the show for a lot of money and I'm telling them all no. So help me out and go subscribe on iTunes. When you do, email me at nathanlatka at gmail.com and I will email you back a surprise that you're really going to love. Steven, it is now my favorite part of the show. Do you know what's next? I do. What time I is it? At least. Hit me. What do you got? It, it's time for you to ask me a bunch of questions. Right? <laughs> it's time for the famous five. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right. Number one, Steven, what's your favorite business book? Um, I really like Running Lean by Ash Moria. Uh, which is kind of a corollary or follow-up to Lean Startup. Um, it's not as widely known. And for me, it helped to take some of the more abstract ideas in Lean Startup and make them kind of concretely actionable. I love that. Okay, number two, which CEO are you following or studying right now? You know, I, I, I am, uh, this is a little bit of a cop-out answer, but uh, Leo Woodrick of Buffer is one of our investors. He is the COO of Buffer, actually. He's a founder, and I really respect him, and he's a close friend and advisor. Um, and so he's someone I really look up to. And then uh, if you're going to insist on a CEO, it would be Walter Chen of I Done This. He's someone I also talk to. Um, I, I, he has my ear and I have his. So I, I really like those guys. I think Buffer is so stupid for putting like the salaries and equity positions and all that out on their on their blog. But I guess it's working for them. They're growing like crazy. Would you I mean, do you agree or disagree? I, I uh, I agree that it's working for them. And I think it all comes down to authenticity. Um, and if your uh, kind of employees, customers and followers believe that what you're doing is authentic, I think that's what their transparency is about. And I think that's why it's working. for Well, them. let's see. Maybe I'll have Leo on and we'll have a good chat about that. All right. That'd be amazing. OK, number three, Stephen, what is your favorite online tool like Evernote? Um, I am a fan of Sunrise, actually, um, the app, the scheduling app. I've been using it uh, a lot lately to kind of manage um, all the different channels through which I can end up being scheduled for various things. So that's my answer to that. Okay, there you go. Number four, you're building an empire you're in startup mode. You're part of 500 startups. You're raising capital. Yes or no? Do you get eight hours of sleep every night? No. <laughs> no. No <laughs> chance. How much do you get on average? Um, I try to at least seven. Seven. I'm going to say seven. There you go. Okay. And Stephen, how old are you out of curiosity? 29. Okay. Take us back nine years. If you wish your 20 year old self knew one thing, what would it be? It would be um, understand and respect the life cycle of a business as you think about whether or not you want to start one. In other words, you, if you're 20, you have an idea of what kind of a time commitment college represents and really appreciate the fact that um, a company is a uh, 
two to 20 to 30 year story. And it's at least a five year story if it's going to be really uh, successful. So you're talking about a really long part of your life and a really serious commitment. Stay consistent, stay focused. That's how you win, right? Exactly. Awesome. Well, Steven, again, there's there's a lot of people listening right now. This is a top ranked business podcast and people are going to want to follow you online. Where can they do that? Um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, just search for my name. I'll, I'll happily add you. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter. Um, Olympus is my uh, handle, H-O-L-Y-M-P-U-S. Well, guys, there you have it. From launching 18 months ago to now he's got 1,400 customers. He's at top line revenue at 520 grand per year. Steven, you're building an empire. Thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks a lot, Nathan. Appreciate it. Okay, guys, coming up tomorrow morning, I'm telling you, my guest, he could literally crush me. He's super big, super strong, and his name is Elliot Pulse. He makes $80,000 a month after being $90,000 in debt just several short, small years ago. You're going to love him. Okay, Top Tribe, companies are wanting to sponsor the show for a lot of money, and I'm telling them all no. So help me out and go subscribe on iTunes. When you do, email me at nathanlatka at gmail.com and I will email you back a surprise that you're really going to love.